discover the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Now, I want to help some of you today. And three areas I want to focus on in these two weeks is, is the Holy Spirit real today? Is he real? Who is the Holy Spirit? And is salvation and baptism in the Holy Spirit two separate experiences? And then my desired outcome in this message is to bring understanding and knowledge, to remove fear, and create a hunger and a desire within you. Now, if you look at your notes, you're going to see they're totally different than normal. And if you're a first-time guest, come back next week and you'll get the real notes. Normally, there's all kind of fill-in-the-blank lines and point one, two, three, and four, and all of that. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but I've got to make up some time here that I've left you a blank sheet of paper today practically. You're going to write some scriptures down, but I left it blank because I want you to erase everything you've ever heard about the Holy Spirit and start fresh today. And if you're like me, you grew up in church and you've heard a lot and you've seen a lot, some positive, some negative, then I want you just to put it all aside. Don't get rid of the truth you've heard. Just push it aside and let the Bible tell you what the Bible has to say today. And, and if you've never heard anything about the Holy Spirit, I want you to open your heart, fresh slate, and I'm just going to go through Scripture today and tell you what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, okay? Because there's three hindrances that has come into the church today that you're going to have to overcome. We're going to talk about those very quickly. Let's go to our text in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, and I'm just going to break it down as you see it on the screen it says here that, that, that he found some disciples. Now, look at this. Therefore, he found some disciples. And who are the disciples? These were believers, disciples of Christ. They had already been convinced that Jesus was real, and they're following him. Any, any folks in here convinced Jesus is real, and you're following him? Okay, disciples. So he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? When you came to a place of salvation, did you receive the Holy Spirit at that time as well? And they answered him, no, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And so he asked them another question, being Paul, well, if, if you haven't heard them, which one did you get? And they said, well, we got salvation experience, the water baptism experience, we got that. But we have not even heard anything about this experience of the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you, that's typical of most people in the Church of America today. Because we've so, um, we've turned the church into a place of, of merchandise. We, the church has become another business. And that's why I told you last Sunday, I'm not interested in building a church. I'm interested in building you. Because you're more important than this church, quote unquote, the church. Because we are the church. And I want to talk to you today about an area that I pray that God will help you discover. What you just experienced in here was just a tiny, tiny, tiny little thimble full of who the Holy Spirit really is. All right? And so various teaching concerning the topic of the Holy Spirit has caused many to be confused and ignorant to the person and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And this has caused some major hindrances uh, on the church being as effective as it should be. And so I want to share these hindrances with you. And I, in the first service, I went through them in some detail. I'm just going to give them to you because the meat of the message is at the end, and they're pretty self-explanatory, all right? Number one, the first hindrance that because people have seen so much false teaching, they've seen people abuse the Holy Spirit, they've seen them use the Holy Spirit for their own ego and their own self-promotion and their own agenda, that people are turned off and go, you know what, I'll get to heaven, forget that Holy Spirit thing. 
And I want to change that today. In Jesus' name, all right? And so the first hindrance is ignorance, all right? There are many people out there fighting the Holy Spirit because they don't understand Him. And they're fighting and speaking out of ignorance to the truth of God's Word. How many knows much that's taught in the church today is taught out of culture, not conviction? Well, this is what we were told. Well, go read the Bible yourself and find out what Jesus really said. And so there's ignorance. It's many times innocent ignorance, but it's still ignorance. Number two, there's fear. All right? People, people say, I, 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 the Jesus thing I'm cool with, but the Holy Spirit thing, that thing just scares me. Well, it's because you're afraid of anything you don't control. And I don't know about you, but I like being in control. Anybody with me? If I'm in a room, I want to be in control. You know what I'm saying? All right, if I'm in life, I want to be in control. I want to determine what I do. But when I give myself up to the Holy Spirit, I'm no longer in control. Now, he's not going to make you run around, talk in tongues you don't know, jump over pews and do flip-flops. That's man's stuff. Now, there is a tongues, and I'll talk about that next Sunday. There, there is a prayer language, but man made it into a marketing tool and abuse the true teaching of the Holy Spirit and his purpose for self-promotion. And, and there's a fear now that has come. The foundation of reason, the existence of the Holy Spirit is that we have a limit to our natural ability. The reason the Holy Spirit exists is that God knew that we have a limit to our natural ability and to move into a supernatural realm, we've got to have a supernatural power. And so God takes our natural ability and fills us with a supernatural power that lets us move into a supernatural realm. And you don't have to be afraid of that, all right? Number three is doctrinal differences. Some of you in here were even taught that that, that Holy Spirit thing, that's demonic. Some of you were taught that. I'm going I'm to correct that today. And some of you grew up in church like me. The Holy Spirit was more than a, it was a big hoot-rah pet rally on a Sunday night where everybody got together and talked in tongues and jumped and danced and screamed and hollered and then went to work on Monday and made no difference. And that's not real either. Because I'm going to go ahead and make it really plain to you. If you're not sharing your testimony of Christ alive in you, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You're not full of the Holy Spirit. I don't care how many tongues you talk in. That was good preaching right there. <laughs> I may have emptied half my church, but... That's some truth right there. See, I'm, God's not interested in how many foreign languages can you speak in. He wants to know, can you share your faith in English or Spanish or whatever your language is? That's, that's what he wants to know, all right? And so let's look at this. So I want, I want to help you today. Some false teachings, well, that Holy Spirit, that baptism thing, it isn't valid. Well, it's valid, but it's not necessary. You have everything you need in your salvation experience. It was for the apostolic age only, but not for today. Uh, some teach that it's for certain believers, but not for all Christians. And I want to just kind of bring some truth, biblical truth, to the whole issue today. Let's go to a guy named Peter. Let's just show you a few examples. Here's Peter. Peter hung out with Jesus for three years. I mean, he ate lunch with Jesus. Come on, think about it, man. You're at Chili's with Jesus. Come on now. That's, that's like, really? Well, it wasn't Chili's because that's not kosher. But anyway, um, he was at a kosher deli with Jesus, and, and he's eating lunch with Jesus. He's hanging with Jesus. He's, he's sitting down by the brook with Jesus. He spent three years morning to night with Jesus personally, you would think that would be enough, wouldn't you? Like this guy is going to overcome anything, but it wasn't because three years after hanging out with Jesus, Peter's in town one day, 
And this young slave girl comes up and goes, I know you. You're, you're one of those followers of Jesus. And Peter immediately goes, not me. I, I, I don't know him. And she come back, no, no, you're, you're one. No, no, I, I don't know him. The third time she come back, well, you're one. No, no. And he began to curse and swear, saying, I don't know the man. By the way, in that culture, to curse and publicly deny Christ to that level was considered an unforgivable sin. I mean, Peter went off the rock right there. And so here, here's what I want you to see, that all of a sudden Jesus was arrested and people went to Peter and, and they're telling, uh, you know, no, I'm not him, and cursed and swore and denied him. But 50 days later, after that experience, denying Jesus, 50 days later with Jesus, personally with Jesus, after publicly denying Christ, three days later, 50 days later, Peter is in an upper room with 120 people. And the Holy Spirit, I'm going to talk about in a moment, fell upon them, and Peter received the Holy Spirit in his life. The man who just committed an unpardonable sin culturally, thankfully not with Jesus, but culturally, committed a, a depth that was so horrendous of denying Christ because of fear, now stands up in front of thousands and preaches a sermon, and 3,000 give their heart to Christ. And here's what I want to share with you. One encounter with the Holy Spirit did more empowering Peter than three years with Jesus did. Ooh, that's worth preaching right there. Is that belittling Jesus? No, because his relationship with Jesus did what it was supposed to do. But there was an empowering that God said, you're going to need more than your natural ability to do what I've sent you to do on this earth. So I've sent to you the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. So let me go very, very quick here. So what was the change? Something had to happen in Peter that did not take place in those three years with Jesus that would all of a sudden give him the power and the authority to stand up and preach in a position that he was a coward in 50 days earlier. Jesus said it like this. He said, I'm about to die. I'm going to pay this debt for your sin. It's going to cost me my life. I'm leaving here after my resurrection, and I'm going to go sit next to my Father in heaven. I'm going to now let you have and possess the power that I provided on the cross. I'm going to let you now experience it. I'm going to send a vehicle to deliver this power to you, and that's through the person of the Holy Spirit. When I leave, he's going to take my place. But the gospel is going to continue because now it's not through me only, Jesus says, but I'm about to put in you what was inside of me and greater works than these shall you do in my name. Why? Because the same authority and power that rested in me, I'm now transferring over to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And listen, he didn't say greater deeds because it's hard to beat raising the dead. It's just hard to beat that, all right? He didn't say you're going to do greater things. He said greater works. What does that mean? He could only be at one place, one time, doing the miracles. He said, now I've got my whole church out there doing it. Amen. I've got my whole body out there doing it now, and we're going to bring the gospel to the world. And so the word paraclete is the Greek word that, that for the, this word, the Holy Spirit, okay? And it means the one called alongside of you. I love that because wherever you're at today, if you're saved and you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life, 
the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to talk about this because it's salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit, but then there's a volume two of experience. Okay, and I'm going to separate the two in a moment. But how many's glad when you woke up this morning, the Holy Spirit was right beside you? And when you go to work tomorrow, you're not by yourself. You may think you're the only Christian in your office, but the Holy Spirit is right beside you. When you're that parent and it stands in the ball field with your children, the Holy Spirit is beside you. When you're that player on the ball field, the Holy Spirit's beside you. He's within you. He's partnered with you. Okay? And so there's some questions I want to answer today. Who is the Holy Spirit and how do I have this experience? Is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and salvation two separate experiences? Who is the Holy Spirit? He is God, God the Holy Spirit, and He is the third person of the Trinity. Now, I don't have time to read all the scriptures. All I want you to do is write them down. And what I want to do today is just make you hungry enough to come back next Sunday. That's all my job is today, is to give you enough to go, Where's the rest? Because next week we're really going to get into the meat of it, okay? You with me today? Nod. All right? And so let's look at this. In Acts 5, 3, and 4, are the Holy Spirit the same? Are they two separate experiences? In Acts chapter 5, 3, and 4, he is called, God is called, or the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit and God in the same sentence. So he's referred to in two different personalities, God and the Holy Spirit in the same sentence. So there's two separate identities there. In the Old Testament, in Genesis 1, 1 and 2, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the word God there in the Hebrew comes from the Hebrew word Elohim, I am on the end. And anytime there's an I am on the end of any Hebrew word, it means plural. So in the beginning, the gods created the heavens and the earth. Who are the gods? It's the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all involved in the creation of mankind and the earth. They were there from the beginning, all right? But here's the neat thing. In the Old Testament, uh, no one had the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. He would show up in miracles. Now get this. In the Old Testament, Jesus showed up and did supernatural miracles on the outside of the church so that the people could see and believe that he was really God. And that's why you see the Red Sea parting experience and you see a Jesus walking through a fiery furnace experience and, and you'll see a Daniel in a lion's den experience. You see God showing up and he would take five loaves and fishes and, and all of a sudden feed thousands of people experience. He was demonstrating his power on the outside so that people would see that he was real. But here's the sad thing. On that, there were many more miracles performed in the Old Testament like that than we see in the New Testament. It was the Spirit's way of making himself real to believers. They had nothing on the inside, so he manifested himself on the outside. Stay with me. However, inwardly, they never felt clean. They never felt free. They never felt joy. They never felt good enough because they were under the law. And because they never felt free and clean and good enough, they never felt qualified for God to do anything supernatural through them. So he manifested himself on the outside. Are you with me still? Stay with me. Thank God for grace. Because God changed that through Calvary, and now he lets his experience not be an outside experience, but it becomes an inward experience. 
that God in the New Testament takes what he did on the outside and now brings it to the inside. And he says, everything that you saw manifested on the outside in the old, I'm getting ready to do in the new. And in the New Testament, we don't see it happening corporately like we see with the nation of Israel going on a journey. We see the church arise in the New Testament and God says, you and you and you and you and you, everything you saw happen in the big thing on the outside and the old, I want to do with you individually and in the new. And greater things than these shall you do in my name. Come on, you with me today? And so the New Testament, the Holy Spirit shows up through a guy called John the Baptist. And he says, I'm baptizing you in water, but there's one coming after me who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit in fire. He will do a powerful work inside of you. He's introducing the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit was helping even Jesus when he performed the miracles that he did. And if Jesus needed him, just maybe, we might need him too. And so Jesus relied on the power of the Holy Spirit to perform the mighty miracles that he did. Is salvation and baptism and the Holy Spirit two uh, distinct experiences? And I want to share a story with you. And, and we're going to see these throughout the scripture. In John chapter 20, verse 19 through 22, I don't have time to read it again, so just write the scripture down and go home and put it out and read it and study it. But this is after. Now, this story takes place between the resurrection. Jesus has resurrected. He's going to spend 40 days on the earth, and then he's going to do what's called the ascension, or he's going to leave the earth and go back to heaven to be with his father. Okay, so everybody with me? So this is after 40 days of resurrection, okay? He's walking on the earth. He has not ascended yet, and all of a sudden he's walking on the earth, and he just walks through the wall. Now they think he's still dead. And he just walks through the wall, and here's what he has the nerve to say. Peace be with you. You just got a dude walk through the wall. And then he's telling you, don't be afraid. I'm afraid, okay? 40 caliber coming out. Peace be with you. He's talking to them, and they're like, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. And he showed them his hands and his sides, and they still didn't believe it was him. But then here's what he did. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to see. He was actually allowing his disciples now to become the first Christians. Even though they were followers of Jesus and believed all that he said, they weren't Christians yet because the price for sin had not been paid for yet on the cross. By the way, go back and read the Bible because some of those disciples that Jesus said, you and you and you and you come, throw down your net and come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. They weren't sanctified yet. They were just called. But I read a scripture somewhere that says called, sanctified, justified, glorified. It's a process. And they had made a decision to follow Jesus, but they hadn't become Christians yet. They were just disciples at first. But now they're the first to be called Christians because now a resurrected Savior has showed up who's paid the ultimate price for man's sin. That's good stuff right there, by the way. 
All right? And so now that the debt for sin has been paid, Jesus died, resurrected, he tells the disciples, I'm going to let you in on a truth first. I'm going to let you in on an experience of salvation first. But then he breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And so there already were disciples, followers of Jesus, but now he has this experience waiting for them. And this answers the question of do you receive the Holy Spirit when saved? Absolutely. When you accept Jesus into your life, you're saved. That's what Jesus did. He breathed the breath of the Holy Spirit into them. Calvary had taken place. And so now when they become Christians, they receive the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? You still with me? Okay. And so in Luke, we see another version of the same story in Luke 24, 36 through 49. Okay. And, and Jesus, remember, he's come back. He's resurrected, 40-day period. He walks through a wall. He tells them, don't be afraid. They're freaking out. And they go, it's a ghost. And he shows them his hand. He shows them his side. And they still refuse to believe that it's him. And so he goes, give me some of that food. And he eats it to show them that he's human. To get them to greater to believe in a greater fashion. And here's what he says in Luke 24, 49. I'm going to send you. Look, look at this now. This is important. Because how many of you here are saved? You know Jesus, follower of Jesus. I believe in Jesus, gave him my life. He's talking to people that were already saved. At this point, they've, they've come, they've realized it, they've accepted what he did on the cross. He said, I'm going to send you, which means you hadn't got it yet. With me? That hadn't happened yet, but I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Forty days after his resurrection, Jesus walked among them, walking through walls, eating fish to prove that he was alive. Ten days after his ascension, going back to heaven, or 50 days after his resurrection, Pentecost takes place. So he's now in this 40-day period after his resurrection going around telling them, look, I'm alive, I'm resurrected. You're Christians. He breathed in them life of the Holy Spirit. So he's already done that. So the Holy Spirit's within them. Everybody with me? So how many understands when you accept Christ, you receive the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your life? All three are active in you. Everybody got that? That was this group. But now he tells them, there's something I'm going to send you as Christians you had not got yet. It's a promise my father made, and it's the Holy Spirit. And I want you to go tarry in Jerusalem and wait there until the Holy Spirit comes. And they did. And 10 days after waiting, now here's what I want you to get. There were hundreds of people that heard that that day, but only 120 were willing to go in the upper room and wait. The rest of those that went home, we don't read one word about them in the Bible. But that 120 that hung around, they've been changing the world since. Because something happened in that upper room that day. And all of a sudden, on 10 days of waiting and tearing, the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, came and visited them. And in Acts 1, verse 1 through 5, you can see it. But in verse 3, it says that he gave many proofs. He said, look at my hands, look at my feet, look at my side. I'm eating fish. He appeared to them for a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And by the way, the only message Jesus talked about after his resurrection was the kingdom of God. And he said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of the Father that's promised that you've heard me speak and for John baptized in water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It hasn't happened yet, but it's coming. So put the four points together and here they are in a nutshell. And I know I'm throwing a lot at you today, but am I, are you getting it? 
enough to say, okay, I'm hungry for more. That's what I want today, all right? Put the four things together. Jesus showed up after his resurrection. He proves that he's Jesus and he's alive. He breathes on them and they experience salvation. And then he tells them not to leave but to wait because there's a promise of another version. And that's called the second volume of your experience with God. The first one's salvation. The second one's the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, And it would be like if I had two volumes up here and one of them says salvation, All right, Jesus qualifies me for heaven. The other volume would say the Holy Spirit empowerment qualifies me for earth. Because salvation, how many salvation? Heaven's my home, right? That's already taken care of through Jesus. But I'm not there yet. I'm still on earth. And if I'm going to see the supernatural take place through a natural being, it's going to take a supernatural encounter with the Holy Spirit. And he must and wants to reside in every one of us. So when you got saved, you received the spirit of the most powerful and living God inside of you. You're filled with his spirit, his righteousness, his peace. But God then says, I have a second volume for you. I have a, another experience that I want you to have. I want the power of the Holy Spirit to reside within you. You are filled with his spirit, his righteousness, his peace, but now I want you to have this baptismo is what the word means there, baptismo, which means to be fully submerged, to make one fully wet. That's what God wants to do in mind in your life today is saturate us to where we become submerged in the Holy Spirit, that he empowers us, that we can go out and go change the world. I, I grew up in church. I grew up, I grew up in Pentecostal church, all right? Very strict Pentecostal church. Thank God for freedom. (laughs) Freedom from religion is just as good as freedom from sin. And I thank God for much of my upbringing, but I'm glad we got rid of some of it because it was false teaching. But I saw a church, man, on Sunday nights, it was like just people going crazy, and, and, and it was people doing what they were taught, and they meant well, but then on Monday, they made absolutely no impact on their world. The whole encounter with God was inside a church building, nothing on the outside. Can I tell you? That's why Jesus says, I want to take that Old Testament because everything took place on the outside. He said, I want to take that outside experience and now make it an inward one. Now I want you to go to your jobs and make a difference. I want you to go to your schools and make a difference. I want you to go to the hospital and clean out a waiting room with hope because I've empowered you for something that's deeper and bigger than you. You have the breath but you're about to get the wind. And that's the difference of salvation and the baptism. Salvation is the breath of Jesus. Baptism is the wind of the Holy Spirit. He's going to blow in us. And that's going to take me to a measure of faith that I can't go to in my natural ability. It's going to take me to an encounter with God that, that I can't just have. That's what Peter, I can't just have this with Jesus. I need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And, and here's what you got to get. The Bible says no man comes to the Father unless he's drawn by the Holy Spirit. And so all three are involved. Jesus pays the ultimate price for our salvation. The Holy Spirit draws us, so it takes Jesus and the Holy Spirit to get us to God. And he wants you to have an encounter with him today. And, and, and I'm not looking for anything from you today other than hunger. That's all God, that's all I'm asking you today is just begin to ask. We're gonna talk next Sunday more about the details of it. But Jesus said, this is not a feeling it's an infilling. It's not about feeling. It's about an infilling that he wants you to have. 
so that all of a sudden when you pray for people there's an authority that comes alive inside of you when when you're going through a fire man you're just walking through it like a squirt gun in hell you know what i'm saying just you no weapon formed against me will prosper there's an authority that can summon your life and 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 i when when i got saved as a young boy and i, I remember this prayer today and when i when i walked across the stage 17 years old and received my degree in, in, in biblical theology and I did my four year and three years, went year round. And everybody remember when they throw the tassels and all that kind of stuff? That didn't happen at my graduation. To me, it did with everybody else. Some of you heard me tell this, but I walked across the stage and everybody's over there and they did all the stuff and everybody's throwing their hats. And I walked over to my mom and had this depressed look on my face and she went, what's wrong? And my words to her were this. I said, mom, if what I've seen in ministry the last three years is ministry, I just wasted three years of my life because it's got to be more than church and preaching and a nice little congregation and it's got to be deeper than that and I'll never forget while all my friends were out having a good time and partying and celebrating the graduation I went down to Lake Stella my hometown I'll never forget sitting by that lake and this was my prayer I said I want you to make me hell's number one nightmare and I want to be your clutch hitter on your team that's the only way I knew how to pray. I was a baseball player, okay? And I said, I want to be your clutch hitter. I want to be the guy that you can call when you need a hit. I want to be that guy that you can depend on that's not afraid to go up to bat when you need something. I, I want to be that clutch hitter on your team. And I want, I want to wake up every day and know that hell's called a meeting down there going, we got to do something about that Livingston guy because he's messing up our kingdom. And oh, I had people tell me, don't say that out loud. The devil hears you. I want you to hear me. I, I want a thought, and it's not about me because I'm nothing compared to him, but greater is he that's within us and he that's in the world, and no weapon formed against us will prosper. And I just want to get enough in you today to go home and go, Holy Spirit, if you're real, I want you. That's all I want today. Don't try to figure him out. Don't go by what you've seen people do and say. I'm not trying to create a carnival. I don't want a carnival here. I want to feel you and the Holy Spirit and feel you that you'll leave this building today you'll go home and you just start praying this one prayer. If you're real, if you're real, I want you. Don't, don't try to figure out how it's going to happen. Don't go try to go talk in tongues. Or, and, and, and I believe in tongues. I'll talk about that next Sunday. We'll share an experience with you. Many of you have already heard. My father grew up against his, he grew up in a church that thought the Holy Spirit was demonic. It was of the devil. My father always prayed. He said, Dan, I just want everything God's got, but he was afraid. He, was, he saw so much junk and heard so much false teaching, and he was afraid. For the last six months of my dad's life, he was unconscious of anything around him. And I've got, I think, 27 videos of my father right now that'll go for generations of my family because I never heard my father pray in the Spirit. I, he always wanted just whatever God's got, whatever God's got. And if I was a doubter, that would have made me a believer, but I was already a believer. But I got 27 videos of my father, unconscious to the world, laying in a bed for hours praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. And if I was an unbeliever, I would have become a believer then. Just praying in a language that he never received, he never understood while on the earth with a conscious mind, but he was in an unconscious realm. And what he had been asking God for all those years was within him. He was just too afraid to let it out. And I just want to say to you, that was my father's prayer. And he prayed it with me so many times. And I would kneel down with him and he would say, God, just whatever you've got, I want it. Whatever you've got that's real, I just want it. God gave it to him. 
And today, all I want you to do is leave this building today going, Father, whatever you've got, I want it. Get in your private prayer closet. Get down by the lake. Get down by the creek. Wherever you go, just get your one-on-one time with God and just go, Father, whatever you have that's real, I want it. I want it. Will you do that? And just ask the Holy Spirit begin to come real to you because he will. In Jesus' name. You receive God's word today? I know I've been all over the place. Did it make sense to you a little bit? All right, I hope. But I'll clarify it next Sunday, okay? We're gonna get into some meat on this topic next Sunday, all right? But let's pray. I want you to just bow your heads with me. And I wanna pray right now. And if you're in this building right now and you say, Pastor Dan, the first step I need to take care of, and the first step is I need, I need to get right with Jesus. I, I need Jesus in my life. And I need that salvation experience. And I just want you to pray for me. If that's you right now, would you just lift a hand wherever you sit? I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. We already had several in the 8 o'clock service give their life to Christ today. And if you're here, don't have to be ashamed. I'm not going to come to you. I just want Jesus to see It's really what I want. If, you, if that's you, God bless you. Anyone else today, you say, that's me today. God bless you. God bless you, sir. I just need Jesus in my life today. I'm ready for that beginning, a new beginning. In Jesus' name, he's going to give you power, authority. He's going to give you a new life. Anyone else before we pray? If you pray, if you raise your hand or you did not and you want to make that decision today, we're going to pray it with you so you don't feel alone. Pray this prayer with me today. And online, if you need Jesus today in your life, you can pray it right where you're at. Join me right now. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart you raised from the dead. I can be saved right now. I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart you raised from the dead. And I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, you join me and let's give a hand clap to these that have prayed today. God bless you.